Oh, I'm looking. Do I dump it? Do I throw the drift? Three, two, one. Let's go. Work, 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 work. Welcome back to the Dig Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Martinez. I'm super excited to have my good friend and current NBA slash NFL agent, my friend EJ Kushner on the podcast today. Uh, EJ has an interesting story from playing at a high level in college to then playing professional overseas that then kind of got him into the industry, which he is now, which is being a professional uh, athlete agent. But I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Excited, man. It's my first podcast I've ever done. Well, hopefully not the last. Um, Like I said, EJ is a certified NBA uh, agent. He does a lot of hoops, but also his agency uh, beyond does some things outside of hoops with the NFL as well. Um, I want to hop right into and discuss like your journey uh, as a college player, and then as a professional player, and then how that kind of all integrated in you becoming an agent. Because I know I know the story of you being a professional player and why you became an agent, but kind of shared that kind of story. Yeah, I mean, when I finished my college basketball career at Mercer University in 2010, I was fortunate to have some really good people in my life that kind of helped guide me through the process of picking an agent and kind of educating me on how to go about becoming a pro. Um, Jeremiah Boswell was probably the most influential throughout that process. So shout out to Jay Boz. Um, and he kind of helped me through that process. Uh, just, you know, selected an agent. Um, yeah, and then a lot of learning kind of ensues after that as, as you're going through a process that you're just not really familiar with. And I signed my first contract, I think in August of 2010 and then I was on a plane a few weeks later, headed to the Netherlands for my for my first season. Now within that, once you so you had an agent your first year, and then quickly after that, some stuff happened, and then the rest of your career, you were not represented. You were self-represented, correct? Yeah. So I think my first year overseas, I had a lot to learn because you know when you're coming from a Division One program, you're you know you're just used to certain things. And I honestly wish I would have had somebody kind of telling me, hey, man, don't do that, or hey, do this, or this is how the game works, because it's a different game. So I'm in the Netherlands, and I was having a great season. But there were just, like, little things that were always going wrong, right? Like, I didn't have stuff in my apartment. Coach would show up late to practice. We were losing games. Guys on my team would just say, like, yeah, we expected to lose. We're not going to win this game. Things were, like, really, really hard for me to wrap my mind around. And what I learned through that process is that, like, as an American player in that situation, you kind of just have to, like, shut up, do your part, put up your numbers, do everything you can to help the team win, and then hope that that season leads to something better the following year. But for me, again, being new to it, I'm having meetings with the GM, I'm talking to the coach, I'm doing all this stuff to where they were like, hey man, like it's time for this guy to go. Um, and I just wish my agent would have been like, hey, listen, this is the way it is. Kind of just like shut up and hoop. Are you getting paid on time? Yes. You know, are you getting opportunities to, to, to put up numbers? Yes, okay, just keep doing that. Um, yeah, and so like when after I got cut the first time, you know, I didn't get a job the rest of that season. That was like really eye-opening to me. And so that was kind of like um, 
like I said, an eye-opening moment where I had to just say, all right, now that I know and have gone through this, I'm going to figure it out for myself. So that's when I decided uh, to kind of take my career into my own hands and represent myself, which most people said, hey, that's, that's crazy. Um, but I also knew that, hey, I was at an agency with 45, 50 players, and I wasn't gonna, it wasn't a priority for them to find me a job. Now, not that they weren't trying to get me a job, but I also knew um, you know, I wasn't at the, the top of their list to, to, to make it happen. And I knew that if they were getting a certain percentage of those guys' jobs, uh, their business would continue with or without my success. It's interesting too. You, I think that after representing yourself for five years, you kind of then get in the mold of, man, I want to be able to provide for somebody else. And once you learn by yourself like that, then I think it kind of falls into why you became an agent. Cause then you're able to like, man, I want to be able to help somebody else. Now that I've done this by myself and went through it with a different agent that you didn't think did you know, help you with stuff, not just basketball stuff, but things off the floor. I, I kind of put it in my perspective. I mean, I remember my senior year of, or summer before my senior year of college was the first time I like worked with like a skill development guy. And I went and worked with him for like two weeks. And I, I was lucky enough to work alongside uh, Anthony Tolliver because he was training him too. So I was working with AT who at the time was with the Atlanta Hawks and he's bouncing on the NBA now. But then after I got done with those two weeks and I came back and like that season, everything was like so easy. I'm like, man, this skill development thing is a real thing. Like, if you can be in line with somebody that knows the game, it can really, like, pursue you into your career or whatnot. Uh, now, regards to being an agent and getting certified, what is the process? Regards to that, is it education-based? I know that the Rich Paul rule came out, you know, months ago or whatnot. Like, what's the process regarding to becoming certified and, like, the steps of having to get that done? Yeah, so a few years ago, the MBPA implemented a new process where guys had to take a – actually pass a test to become MBA certified uh, and there's certain components um, you know you have to you know you, the requirements were uh, you know a bachelor's degree and uh, you had to kind of go through a process in order to do it now there's certain things that uh, if you could show negotiating experience then that kind of offsets having to have a bachelor's degree um, but you have to pass this test and I believe it's like 42 it's 50 multiple choice questions it's open note open book um, and I believe like the pass rate is probably somewhere around uh, 42 out of 50 questions. But uh, it's not, I guess I would say it's not as easy as uh, I think a lot of people think about it. It's like, you know, for me, I went into it um, just overly prepared. Uh, made sure, I think the one thing, uh, another shout out is to, uh, there's a guy, Larry Kuhn, who has a CBA FAQ website and that was super helpful in my preparation for the test and something that I used as a resource and um, really great thing to have appreciative that somebody like him takes the time to put those things together to help people uh, you know like myself that are trying to get into this business now with after becoming certified I mean I've had even multiple friends would be like man it'd be cool to be an agent or I could be an agent and uh, EJ was fortunate enough to have uh, article done on him and a couple other agents regards to how hard it is to be, become an agent. And then even more than that, how hard it is to be relevant within the industry. Um, in 2017, within the, uh, the last two years, there's been 160 agents certified and less than 10 of them actually represent an NBA player. So can you just explain like becoming relevant uh, in the industry? Because beyond has become 
I mean, it's not a household name yet, but it is building to, I mean, to only be in the industry two, three years with multiple NBA players already signed and a, a slew of high-level overseas guys, how can you explain the difficulties of becoming relevant in the industry, the obstacles, and just, like, give people kind of that perspective that don't know how hard it is to become relevant? Yeah, I mean, I get this question all the time because you have so many people that want to be an agent, and they're like, what do I need to do to be an agent? And my response to that is you need to find a player that will let you represent them. I mean, that's the biggest part. I mean, that's the most important part, and I think the thing that people forget about is that you know, the player is the most important component in all of this. It is. It's it's the most it's the most important component when you're a trainer. It's the most important component when you're a college coach, an NBA coach, at every single level when you're an agent. Um, so I think that's that's the biggest thing. And it's not just finding a player, but finding up finding the player that that fits fits you, fits your brand. Um, you know, we're fortunate where like we built this company beyond athlete management with a focus on hey we're trying to get high level athletes but we're also trying to get high character high level people and people that fit our brand uh and see kind of like the things that you know we can provide not just on the court but off the court and i think where a lot of agents go wrong too is they're just like i gotta sign that player because he's a good basketball player he's a good football player but it's like is he a fit right is he is he a fit and i think that's why um, there is such like a high turnover rate uh, in this industry. And I think people make it harder than it needs to be, right? So much of it is identifying the right people uh, who just happen to also be great athletes and fit. Because uh, if it's not a fit, if it's not built on like a strong foundation, it's most likely not going to work. Um, I also think too is like, you know, I benefited from, Growing up, my dad was in the shoe industry for 30 years. He dealt with athletes um, on a first-hand basis. So I was around him, watching him, seeing how he worked. Uh, I tell people I feel like at the age of 12, I probably had a you know a, a master's in in sports management just from being around him, and then being an athlete and just being able to relate to these guys. Uh, I think gave me an inherent advantage, and then I think just the group that we were able to assemble at Beyond. Um, you know, we had. You know, Jelani Floyd, who was a former athlete too, so played Division One basketball, played for professional basketball, um, you know, has a law degree. Uh, you know, Mike Nadich, who's been in the industry for 20-plus years, uh, represented draft picks, um, you know, done all kinds of deals, has all kinds of experience. And you got, you know, Daniel Poneman, who obviously, uh, you know, is kind of a renowned scout as a teen um, and has done kind of all kinds of stuff across the, the board in basketball and community in the community of Chicago and helping kids and so I think our success has been you know largely based on you know like-minded people coming together and like a focus on the player and the brand uh, you know on the football side too it's just being able to bring in again the right people um, to help us there or that journey it's um i know we have more players coaches that listen to the podcast more than people that are in the agent industry but it's so funny because when a coach is recruiting a player it's man he can really play but or she can really play but do they fit our system and it's the same way it's funny to hear that like an agent and player because i mean 95 percent. i mean you're not on the floor coaching a player that you represent it's all text email phone call person to person 
And that's how you – you know how it is. Anybody can lie for 10 minutes. You can't lie for an hour. And when you know these meetings with these players are not, all right, 10 minutes out and then make a decision. Like these are long conversations and a long process regards. And you fi- quickly figure out the character and if it's a fit. Uh, to piggyback off of that, uh, re- you got to find someone to represent. Can you talk about the recruiting process and just like how it goes regards to, let's say, you know, now that, you know, Division One is now starting – to start practice, the NBA now is in preseason. Uh, can you talk about the recruiting process and just what all goes into that, the difficulties, the good things you like about it, and the things that you maybe you don't like about it? Yeah, I think so much of that has to do with relationships, right, and finding finding borrowed trust, I guess is the term that I would use when it comes to recruiting because, again, as an agent, you know, agent has a negative connotation, and there's, and there's a reason for that. Um, so I think for me and you know us as a group, it's like okay, where where can we find some borrowed trust? Meaning, hey, this person knows that person, and and you know that player or that coach is going to be able to identify with okay, I may not know EJ, but I know so and so knows EJ, and you know that makes me feel more comfortable. You know, there's some kind of checks and balances in place, and I think it's relationships and it's just word of mouth too. I think if you do a good job. Uh, for the players that you have, I think you know the best recruiting you can do is 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 through your clients that you have. And I always say that you know when you sign a player, like that's when the when the recruitment really begins. And like, how are you treating them? What are you doing for them? And I think the the industry, and this isn't all agents and all agencies, but everybody's so focused on recruiting the next player that they forget about the player that they already made a commitment to, or that they sat in front of you know for hours or recruited for years. Uh, and they're on to the next one, uh, you know. And for me, it's like that's I, I'm trying to be the agent that I wish I would have had. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think I, I mean we've seen amazing success from that. It's like if you take care of what you have, it it tends to come back to you. Um, and that's been true uh, about my journey as a player and as an agent. Where where you know most of the guys that that I'm working with have come through some kind of relationship or doing right by somebody else. It's right back to just living in the present. You know, it's, you just said it just like, like someone like me, we're actually, I should have said at the beginning, we're in Chicago, Illinois, uh, a player I work with that EJ also represents. They're playing the Bulls tonight in Chicago. And I was fortunate enough. I brought up a, a kid that's 17 years old and a 15 year old kid that are just some high school players that I've been working with for a while. But I remember having the 17 year old when he was, nine and he was the only kid I really had that was even going to be relevant and within my small community he's our he's one of the better players but now everybody's bought in because they've seen I took care of this kid I think it's funny too how uh coaches the same way you know you got a coach that's a low major division one coach he wins 24 games goes to the NCAA tournament now he's like okay what next job am I looking towards I feel like a lot of people like fall in that I wouldn't call it a pit but you're always looking towards the next thing I think human beings are just that way uh, now, with the recruiting process, can you kind of go over uh, the pre-draft process, uh, kind of how it goes for an agent, and then also like summer league? You know, we just went through the summer league uh, with a player that EJ represents, and it can be a little bit um, stressful, a little bit. But on the flip side, it can be so—I uh, don't know the word for it. I don't want to say uh, just a different type of feeling when you see a player finally get what they deserve fulfilling fulfilling Fulfilling. that's a great word fulfilling can you talk about the pre-draft process after recruitment process and then maybe even into the draft and then summer league yeah the pre-draft process is once you know once you sign kind of a rookie class 
the next step is kind of like, hey, where are they going to go and prepare? And I think a big thing for us, too, is is trying not to be cookie cutter, right? Not just sending a guy just to send a guy somewhere to train. It's just like, why are you going there to train? What are you going to get better at? What do you need to focus on? And I think we're like we as a company as a whole, like have an advantage, too, is just because, you know, we've got some, you know, former former scout, former players where we can kind of identify like, hey, this is why this guy would be good with you. Because I think, too, in the training business, and obviously that's you're a trainer, I think so much of it is like how much the trainer and the player connect, right? I mean, players during the pre-draft process can only get so much better, right? So like if you need your jump shot retooled, like you're not going to be able to get it done in the pre-draft process because, you know, let's just say that the NCAA season ends like the first week of April, Guys are going to be starting their pre-draft process, you know, probably depending on how their season goes, maybe at the earliest mid-March. But usually it's going to start right around that first week of April, second week of April. And that's when you're going to have the first kind of wave of like you got the Reese's All-Star Game, which is at the Final Four. And then after that, you're going to follow that up with, with Portsmouth if they're seniors, just top 64 seniors. Uh, and then you're going to follow that up with the NBA Combine, uh, which is usually like mid-May. Uh, some NBA teams will start bringing in players for workouts before um, the combine. And most of those players, not all of them, will be guys that could potentially be testing the waters. This year, May 29th was the date that you could pull out uh, as an underclassman. Um, but, you know, it's just focusing on what's right for the player and then kind of giving them almost like a like, you know, my college coach was really big, you know, Bob Hoffman at Mercer about talking about, hey, just win the first four minutes. Right. Let's win these first four. Let's get to the media timeout. We'll address whatever we need to address there. And then let's focus on the next four minutes. And I think for the pre-draft process, that's what I kind of lay out to guys is like, hey, here's the plan. Like, here's the lead up to. Are you playing in an all-star game? Are you going to Portsmouth? Are you going to the combine? How many NBA workouts do you have? How are we going to strategically plan these NBA workouts based around draft, uh, where these teams are where these teams are drafting, what their needs are, who are you going to be going against? Um, you know, and that process leads up to the draft, uh, which is usually around the third week of June. Uh, yeah, and then, okay, so Summer League, you know, and then obviously Summer League follows that. And, you know, Summer League is one of those situations where, you know, can kind of be make or break for guys or can kind of be the unveiling. It depends on, again, where you got drafted or could be, you know, we've, we had guys uh, who have played overseas where, like, now they're coming back and, you know, it's their opportunity to, to kind of show uh, NBA teams, you know, t- teams like we had – uh, you know, Jay Sean Tate and Darius Thompson this year both played summer league. They spent their rookie years overseas, got scouted overseas. Now it was like, okay, this is your opportunity to come back. And, you know, because of what you did overseas, now you're going to get this opportunity in summer league, you know, for us to get a closer look at you. Um, you know, a guy like Josh Gray, who was overseas as well, and obviously turned his summer league into to a contract offer from the, from the New Orleans Pelicans. And I think to what you were saying too is this, where it can be very up and down is that, you know, it's like each game means so much for a lot of these guys um, that you're kind of, you know, sitting on the edge of your seat each and every game. And it's like you you can't really like Josh. Josh did an amazing job this year. Of like he didn't have a bad game. Like he was just solid and played so well, you know, throughout the entire summer league. 
and that's really what ended up leading to it. But it's like each game, you're like, man, you just keep doing what you're doing, keep doing what you're doing, keep doing what you're doing. Um, and, it, and it, but it's kind of baby steps, you know. It's like each game, you just got to get through each game. You can't look too far ahead, and you've got to be really focused on the present moment, you know, through that process. Always worried about what you can control. You know, I, you know, I had discussions with Josh throughout summer league or you, and it's like there'll be other stuff going on, but it's like just worry about what you got to get done as a player and let everything else take care of itself. Uh, I want to hop into, you know, I think there's a constant, like, lack of communication um, between a college player, maybe even their head coach, the guy they work with skill-wise, and then the agent, you know, when they're going through that recruiting process. Or even whereas uh, you have a player that's an NBA player, an overseas player, and then they have someone they work with, uh, skill development wise and the agent I feel there's always like some sort of there's often I think you guys do a, a good job of it but there's sometimes there's a miscommunication regards to you know simply simple is okay this kid's going to be playing out of spot up a ton lifting out of the corners and then here we are playing ISO in the mid post you know uh, how do you think that's on the on the side of a player that is already a professional how do you think we can bridge that relationship between a player that's maybe going through the recruitment process and then maybe also when a player is already a, prof- a professional. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> again, I think, like, this whole thing is evolving, right? Like, trainers are becoming more important to this process, and there's just, like, so many different um, – I don't know how to say – maybe so many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And, like, how do you bring them all together and get everybody on the same page? Because it's almost like, to me – Sometimes you have too many people wrestling for control of the player instead of saying, like, okay, what's legitimately best for this player? And so for me, it's like, how do we make it work? I think it's just some just being able to put egos aside and actually saying, hey, what is best for the player? Because a lot of times it's like when you have, when you have coaches and when you have um, trainers uh, or AU coaches, if you have people that aren't on the same page and are trying to pull a kid in all kinds of different directions, a lot of the time this, it, it goes back, it stems back to these people are trying to do what's best for them or they're trying to position themselves, you know, with the kid uh, favorably. When in reality, it's like, man, like you should only focus should be on what's best for the kid and not necessarily what's best for you. And, and if that doesn't necessarily go in your favor, then you got to be okay with it and you got to be consistent. I think just be consistent with it. And, you know, what I found find in the process, too, is the hard thing is, is, like, it's not a knock on, say, you know, college coaches, but college coaches are so locked into their team and their season. It's like they're not watching – like, they're not watching NBA games for the most part. And I'm not saying every college coach. I'm not trying to put them on. A, but I just know most of these guys are just so locked in on their job and winning games because it's a high-stress situation. Um, so they're not always – you know, super focused on the next level or what that looks like. Um, they're just focused on, like, how do we win games right now because that's what's putting food on the table for my family and that's what's going to allow me to get, you know, my contract extended. Uh, so I think, like, if we're going to bridge the gap between all those things, I think it's it's more of a focus on the player. And, and I know in some situations, you know, that's hard. Um, but ultimately, I think, like, for anybody in this basketball industry to be successful, uh, that's where the focus needs to be on like what's best for the player and I think for me as an agent that's always my focus is like okay what's best for the player in this situation I don't care who gets the credit um, I don't care if my name is out there this is this is more so about like how am I going to empower and help this this player 
get to where they need to get so that they can have success. And I think at the end of the day, players who are the you know real dudes will recognize that and see that, uh, and and that's where you start to develop uh, a real you know a legacy. And I think that's what, and I know that's what you're about, and that's you know that's what main you know that's what I'm about. And and I think if more people were focused on their legacy and how to help the player, that we wouldn't have as many issues or many conflicts between those groups. Yeah, every time that someone outside the player is focused on themselves, it just then in turn hurts the player. Um, I, it's the egos is a is a funny deal. I think that's on every level at every avenue, regards to hoops. Is you know, I see like that'd be like you having a player and getting them a really significant contract. Oh, I got him that deal. No, the player played the way you're supposed to get him in the in the door. They're the one who got him that deal. I think it's the same way with someone that, like on my side, that you know, does skill development with somebody. Oh, I made that player. You weren't making those shots. You weren't making those passes. You weren't the one getting up at 6 a.m. working out. Yeah, you were there putting them through it, but they were the one that was physically making themselves better. Uh, I want to jump into uh, – I know you represent players that have went from a different agency to yours, players that come out of college. I'm talking about more – uh, players that come from uh, college professional, whether it's the NBA overseas, what is the biggest obstacle you see regards to players? First, on the basketball side, what is the thing that you, you see like, man, for other players maybe recruit later on, like this player A, B, and C had a trend of them starting with this aspect of maybe the NBA game, overseas game, and then next time you go through the recruitment process, like, hey, that kid's got to figure it out. He won't struggle with that. He might struggle with something else, but he's not going to struggle with that. Um, or even the overseas deal too. You know, it's it's different, right? You're you're no closer than an eight hour flight away from home. So throughout your process of maybe even as a player, as a as an agent now, what's the biggest obstacle you see uh, players from going from a collegiate athlete to then becoming a pro? I think there's just like so so much out there for these for for players. Like for me too. Like I was able to be a pro because I became the best at shooting the basketball as I possibly could be and I learned you know I, I was fortunate to have you know a great college coach who was just like you know two great college coaches back to back where I had Jim Sagona at Collin County and Bob Hoffman at Mercer were just like hey be you do do what you do and be the best at this and so spend 75 percent 80 percent of your time really honing on honing in and per, like perfecting this aspect of your game and then maybe the other 20 25 percent you know you're working on some of these other things right you're working on you know, being able to handle the ball better or, um, you know, being able to finish around the basket better. But, like, don't make these things – don't be so focused on, like, I got to be better at these things in order to be a pro. Be trying to figure out, okay, what am I already really good at and how can I become elite at it? Because, it, you know, for someone like myself where, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the quickest, I wasn't the fastest – um, you know, I was an average defender. You know, if some if some of my my boys heard me say average, they they would kill me. They would clown me <laughs> clown me for that. Um, and you know, I was not that great off the bounce. But the one thing I could do is was shoot the rock, um, and that carried me for you know a five year uh, professional career. So I, I think that's the biggest thing is is just hey, focus, figure out what's what's the thing that's going to help you get to that next level. Um, and ask people, like ask people to be brutally honest with you and just say, hey, listen, like what, what is something, what, what is my greatest strength? 
um, you know, and how can I how can I make it elite? Um, and then the other thing too is just you got to be ready to persevere. I mean, you got to be willing to, um, you know, I, I just going through this with a player right now too, where it's like his first pro job, he got cut, and it's just like. How is how is he going to respond to this? Right? Is he going to go in the tank? Is he going to feel sorry for himself? Because at the end of the day, like in professional basketball, it's a business. Like nobody cares. Like nobody cares how you feel. So it's either you're going to pick yourself back up and you're going to continue grinding and you're going to stay locked in and you're going to use that as motivation, or you're probably not going to have a, you're not going to have a long, you're not going to have a good career. You're certainly not going to have a long career. Um, so, you know, I would say. You know, those are the biggest things to focus. I mean, if anything you're going to do in life, but also like if you're going to try and be a pro professional athlete in any regards, you're going to have to be able to deal with adversity. No, I think uh, I, you know, I asked what's the biggest obstacle for players that go from a a college player to a pro, and we're talking hoops. You know, people are probably thinking like, oh, like the speed of the game, the the tactical side, or like the NBA, the the verbiage and all that. And at the end of the day, you talked about something that was based character-wise. Can you fight through adversity? Can you have self-awareness? Can you realize what you do well, what you don't do well? Which I think it's been a common theme on this podcast. You know, I've had a lot of high-level, like, Hall of Fame coaches on here. And I asked one coach. He's actually an NBA skills trainer guy, too. And I was like, you know, three, three skills for a high school kid. You know, what would you – and two of the three had nothing to do with hoops. It was strictly – character-based uh, last thing I want to end with here is so uh, beyond athlete management is the agency that EJ is part of can you just talk about beyond kind of the structure and you know what makes you guys different regards within it with within the industry within the industry um, and where do you guys see beyond uh, with regards to the near future and maybe long-term future yeah I mean you know for us my partner Jelani Floyd came up with a great, you know, slogan, own your talent. You know, for us, like our goal is like we've all seen this business from the other side, whether a player, whether as people that we're trying to help guys. And like most of the time what we've seen is like these agencies will come in, they'll take take the player, try and box other people out. And for us, like where we are different is like we're coming in and saying like, okay, how can we empower the athlete? So everybody talks about power, power agents, you know, whatever, your power agent, your power agent. Well, it's like a power agent, the power comes from the level of the player that they're representing, right? So if you're a power agent and you've got a max level player, that power is coming from the player. Um, so for us, we're trying to let these guys understand too, like, hey, you have the power and the leverage here to where not just, we're not just talking about like, contractually as a professional athlete, but like you have the power to go back and change your community. You have the power to use your platform uh, to do good for others and to, to change the trajectory of people's lives. And, you know, that's something that, you know, all of us have done uh, collectively, you know, kind of by ourselves uh, anyway. You know, I mean, my partner, you know, Daniel Poneman has been helping kids from Chicago uh get scholarships for what six seven years you know probably 500 for kids you know free. for free for free so you know and that's just like him one person and and, and now it's become obviously the, the evan turner showcase but i think it's like helping these athletes realize like how much of a difference they can make and how much power you know they really have you know and, and we're seeing that more and more as guys are speaking out on on you know on social issues um and, and they're starting to, to use their platform more and more. And, like, that's what we want to be a part of. And we want to be a part of, 
you know, helping these guys, uh, you know, use that platform, you know, for a, for a positive, positive impact, you know, and, and, you know, we've, we, in our short time, we've only been, you know, it's been over a year that we've had beyond athlete management, um, you know, and we've been able to, to do some really fun things and be able to see, uh, you know, results of, of our involvement with, with these guys in their lives. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, EJ, I appreciate you coming on, showing us some insight regards to, you know, we've had a bunch of coaches on here, no players yet. Um, that's coming, but I know there's a lot of people within the audience that really don't know anything about the agent industry, but I uh, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man, thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully this is something that was beneficial, and you know, I guess anybody that's out there listening um, that wants to reach out or has questions regarding any of this stuff, I'm happy to answer. I mean, I've played at every level of basketball too, so it's, I mean, it's high school, prep school, junior college, um, you know, Division One professional, so I feel like you know, I can be a resource to anybody at any level if anybody – you know, needs advice or needs any type of uh, guidance, you know, so my email is uh, ej at beyond.am. Uh, and then also you find me on Instagram uh, at ejkusnyer. Appreciate it. Uh, like I said in the last pod, if you guys will like, subscribe, comment, and I actually had a few people and more and more people show me feedback in regards to what they want to see on the next pod what they don't like, what they like. I'm all ears here to strictly provide value for you guys. So I appreciate it, and we'll see you guys next time.